Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. I don't know for sure what I'm going to preach about, but I got kind of a basic outline. I'm out there, I'm out there on the edge. There's no other place to live. There's actually no safer place to be. I'm out there, I'm out there on the edge. I believe things that most Christians don't believe. I stand in things that most Christians don't stand in. And I know that to some extent I'm preaching to the choir. But you know, I think of that song that we were, that we were singing, Oceans. Spirit lead me where my feet could never wander. We sing it and everybody gets inspired and then never wanders where their feet can't go. You're like, Tom, this is not inspirational. It's true though. I mean, I, you, we listen, why would, you, why would you inspire when there's nothing to be inspired about? So my, my point is this, is like, you know, we sing a song like that. And see, for me, I'm looking to go where my feet could never wander, where my faith is without borders. But you see, what happens is we actually become a giant Lutheran, a Catholic, Presbyterian, whatever kind of denomination you don't like, church. Because for all intents and purposes, we sing songs like that, and then we go home, and then go into a windless sea, which is called a doldrum. And we just live our lives day in and day out the exact same way. And we get delusional and we start telling ourselves, well, you know, I'm growing and things are changing. Where? How? What? Where? Show me. Are, are, you, are, are you wondering where your feet could ever, where, there, where your faith is without borders? See, if it's not, you're not living on the edge, man. You're not taking any chances. This is that, because there's been... There's a four-letter word, and it's not the one that just popped into your mind. That's been eliminated from the church, and it's called fail. Because nobody wants to acknowledge, and I'm going to add three letters onto it, failure, we just eliminate the concept entirely. Well, there is no failures in the kingdom of God. Really? We're going we're to delve into that today. Because in order to overcome failure, you have to first acknowledge that it's possible to fail. And if we're singing songs about, and listen, I've already, I've already been transparent. You're like, oh, you know, he's up there, and you know, he's way up there on that stage, and he's, he's glorifying in himself, and he's saying that, you know what, he never has failed. I've already told you I wasted most of my life. How many of you regularly attend this church? Shout amen. amen. All right, so you already know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not up here espousing that I've never failed. In areas of my life, I'm failing right now. So I'm not, a, I'm not saying that I'm above anybody. I'm saying if you can't address failure, if you can't even acknowledge that it exists, then you'll never stop failing. 
How do you know whether you're failing or not? Where are the miracles? These signs will follow those who believe, not those who are pastors, those who are evangelists, those with a title. It says, these signs will follow those who believe. I'm out there on the edge. I believe these things. I, I expect these things. I risk disappointment when these things don't happen. Hebrews 4.12. Most of you know this verse. For the word of God, this is the edge that I am living on. You're like, Tom, there's a lot of eyes in this message. I remember somebody when I first started the church, you say too many eyes in the message. I, I don't care. <laughs> Who else am I going to refer to? I don't live with you. The next person I talk about the most is hope because I live with hope. And then it goes to Tommy, and then it goes to Norma. And then it goes to the Dexters. Then it goes to Aaron. Those are the people I spend the most time with. I'm out there with the dog. Yeah, dog. The dog is actually, I spend the most time with the dog. That's true. True. Hope, Hope came out into the garage yesterday, and I'm out there doing my stretches, and the dog's like laying there. I just like turned over and just started spooning him on the floor of the garage. And I'm a, she caught me. I was talking to him. I'm like, you're my buddy. You're my friend. I love you. And she's like, she's like, you're ridiculous. Are both of our heads look up at her? And it's a, it's a contentious relationship, he and I. It really is contentious because the night before, I hated him. Again. Thanks for bringing it up, somebody. Again, I was in my neighbor's yard. My house, Dexter's house, and now Nolan's house right here. I was in their yard at 2 o'clock in the morning, running after my dog who was chasing an armadillo. Armadillos have no chance, none, so I'm trying to spare its life. And I'm chasing, stop it, Daddy, stop it, stop it, Daddy. It's three, two o'clock in the morning, my bike's all over the ground. Stop it, Daddy, stop it. He's completely ignoring me. Then he grabs it, has it in his mouth, and you know, it's the four legs are going like this. He stares at me. Something wrong? Something wrong, Dad? Yes, something's wrong. But I forgave him. I didn't speak to him the rest of the night. Of course, you did sleep right next to me, but other, we didn't, you know. We're like married, you know, you don't speak, but you're still sleeping with each other. It's like a lot of marriages in this room. You don't really speak to each other, but you do sleep in the same bed. You're welcome. So I'm out there, and I'm living on the edge. What's the edge? What's this? What's, listen, the edge is both the most safe thing in the world and the most unsafe thing in the world. It's very unsafe for your popularity. It's, it's very unsafe for your, revel, for your reputation to live out on the edge. You know, some of you may not have even realized what I was doing last week when I told you to spin around and pray for a little boy in a funeral home down in Charlotte County. You're such a great church, you just did it anyway. But you may not, listen, you risk it all when you do, nobody, nobody does that but us. Jonathan, Rodney, and a few others. 
I'm talking about, listen, there's hundreds of churches within 10 miles of here. We don't realize how big the earth is. We have no idea. That's why everyone thinks there's an overpopulation problem. All the entire world's population can fit in Texas. And everyone thinks there's an overpopulation problem. We don't realize how big the world is. There's hundreds and hundreds of churches around here. They, believe me, I hear the names from the Foundation Church refugees that leave and go wander out into the desert. <laughs> But you may have been wondering what, you know, what we're doing. Listen, I'm trying to raise the dead. That is an apropos response to death. That's what you do. There is no other response to it. For the word of God, Hebrews 4.12, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing. Everybody likes the first part. That's what everybody has memorized. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That's good because then you don't have to talk about it piercing you. Even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Even to the dividing asunder of what is your soul, your feelings, your thoughts, your feelings, and your spirit. It tells you what is crap and what is non-crap? That's what the word of God does. If you are operating by your feelings, I don't care what your diagnosis is. If you're operating by your feelings, the word of God comes in and will tell you, that's your feelings, that is a dung heap. It's nothing more than a burp, it's nothing more than gas. But most people in this room are run by your feelings. You won't get out of bed. You won't come to church. You run by your feelings. And the word of God will come in and divide the two. If it's not in the word, then it's your feelings. Ignore it or bring it into submission to the word of God. That's your only option. That's living on the edge. That just cost me 10 people. Yeah, there they go. I'm just kidding. They're working. They're working. They go that way. It's good. They go that way, it's not good. <laughs> Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Pierces, hurts. It's all right to be hurt. We need to be hurt more. James chapter four, verse nine. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Why? You ever read the fourth chapter of James? Yet you have not because you ask not. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with, with, with selfish, selfish motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God? Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's how it works. Nobody wants to work a nerve in a church. 
I didn't really feel uh, edified. Why, why would I edify your giant dunghill? There's no production. There's no power. There's no miracle. Why would I edify you? That needs to be torn down to the studs and built back up. That's edification. Well, I feel condemned. How did you just feel condemned? What's the definition of condemned? <clears throat> we love to use that word inside the church. I just, you know, I just felt, you know, the music was great, but, you know, the message was condemning. How is it condemning? Condemning means that I have deemed you useless for teardown. Who's told you that? Nobody told you that. Nobody told you you're useless. I just told you. I, I'm telling you that you're more useful than any watered-down message you'll ever hear. Amen. Who's simply sedating you. They're just sedating you so that you stay in the church. Let's just keep you calm now. And you know, that's conforming to the pattern of the world. That's the World Economic Forum's plan. To sedate people and have them play video games. Because they're quote-unquote quote, useless people. Noah Harari, chief advisor for Klaus Schwab. We should be the opposite of that. See, I'm out on the edge talking like that. Nobody's talking like that. Well, why would I not? Why would I not talk about that when that is the Antichrist spirit? That's what we should be talking about. You're out on the edge. People will leave. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I will pray for the dead to be raised. Well. You know what, we didn't do that over my relative. You failed. The appropriate response is to pray for resurrection of the dead. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I believe the word. I act in the word exclusively. Period. There's no option. I said this yesterday at the resurrection service. If I got, got $100,000 right now, there's no, I, there wouldn't even be a hesitation. And, and I'd, I'd write a check for 10. My wife would write a check for $20,000 right now. She wouldn't even hesitate. She writes the check, so I wouldn't even know. She just sends me, just let you know, we gave a little over the tithe. <laughs> All right. Just let you know, we sent them a couple thousand. Okay, got you, no problem. It would, there would be no hesitation because that's the word. So why is there hesitation in anything else? I believe everything else is compromise. If you don't act in the, for the word of God is quick, everything else is compromise. Why are you hesitating? Some, whatever the scenario is, the only, the only response is the word of God. Period. Well, you know, I kind of, you know, I believe in Jesus. Just, you know, I don't follow the Bible word for word. You're not Christ-like. Jesus is the Bible. Jesus is the word. There is no delineation. Everything else is cowardice. Well, it's quiet in here. People tell me to try to make me feel bad. That's when we're just, we're listening intently. The sweet ladies of the church who love me, they come up to me at, outside. Listen, you know, I noticed that it seemed to bother you when everybody was quiet, but I just want you to know it's because we're really just really intently listening. Okay. That's what I, when you're on your phone, I assume you're looking up Bible verses. Love hopes all things. 
Everything else other than a word response is corruption. Virus comes around, what do you do? Bind it. What else would you do? Why would, why would you add to the word and heap upon yourselves the plagues that are written in this, in this book? For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things that are written in the book, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his, away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things that are written in this book. Revelation 22, 18 and 19. Why are you adding? How dare you add? Well, I just believe. Ah! What's the word say? Well, I just. Ah! I get up in the morning and I'm bipolar. Ah! It's not the Bible. I get up this morning and I felt like a, a worthless pile of crapola. I just started talking to it. I'm walking around with the dog. I start talking. I start talking to God about it. I, bring, I feel great now. I'm in a wonderful mood. I'm going to be a blessing to my house for the rest of the day because I'm in a great mood, if I'm conscious. <laughs> so everything that's not a word response is compromise, cowardice, and corruption, and oftentimes for nefarious purposes, nefarious motives, and nefarious concerns. Concerns that are both evil and don't matter. That's what nefarious means. How will I look if I try to raise the dead and it doesn't work. See, you care, I don't care. I have the answers. Well, you tried, how come it didn't work then, pastor? Because of unbelief. You're gonna say that about yourself? Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna say it because, because that's the truth. That's what the, okay, everything's a biblical response. So when there was an expectation of the miraculous in the word of God and it didn't happen, what did Jesus say? It's unbelief. Why? Well, that could work in there. Ah! That could bother people. Doesn't matter. If you tell people it's unbelief, you could hurt the relatives of the dead. Ah! Okay. Rich young ruler, you want to follow me? Sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. He thought about it. That was, the word was speaking to him. Jesus is the word. John 1.1, 1, 1, John 1.14, 1, 1 John 5.7. There's no delineation between Jesus and this. If there is in your walk with God, you don't have a walk with God. You actually have a walk with the Antichrist in different aspects of your life or on the whole. Because if your version of Jesus doesn't go beyond some sort of worldly, humanistic love and tolerance and accommodation, you're following the Antichrist in the name of Jesus. That's why he magnifies his word above his name because the name can be used fraudulently. Can't do nothing about this bad boy. So, well, the NIV likes to rewrite itself. So it's gender neutral. That's a fact. That's why you'll see it sometimes. You'll see me use Bible verses up here that are in the NIV. Well, you're getting them from me. They're from the 84 NIV, but you'll see them translated into the modern NIV, which is gender neutral. Because they, they took down the non-gender neutral version. It's gone. You can't find it. Although I, of course, made a copy so that I can cheat the system, as I always do. I don't comply. 
This, is, this has been stuck in my mind because I, I watch, I watch, really, I watch, people want to know who I watch, where do I, who, who are my influences. My number one influence is, is Rodney Howard Brown. Number two is Jonathan. Number three is Andrew Walmack. Number four is probably Jesse Duplantis. That, that's, those are, that's who influenced me. And I will tell you this. I was watching Andrew Walmack, and he said, even a dead fish can flow downstream. I don't go with the flow. Not because I want to be a rebel. It's just inherently following the word of God makes you go against the flow. In the church. In the church. Look around. You see the empty purple chairs? Namely right here. You know why they're empty? People can't take the Bible. They can't take it. We got a lot of people here. There's 860 chairs in here. There's a lot of people in here. And there's more 200 kids in the program. So there's, you know, 900 people in this building. Eight to 900 people that are in this building, right? We have a lot, there's a lot of people here. The reason why there's not more is because they're, they're scared of God. Why, why are these, you ever, you ever read the Bible verses where it says that God hardened their heart? Do you think God reached down and touched their heart, their aortic valve, hard, hard? No, that's not what happened. God does not harden people's hearts like that. It's their response to God. He walks into the room and their heart gets hard as a response to them, as a visceral response to God, their heart is hard. God does not touch their heart. God's presence hardens their own heart. Because they hear the word of God and they go, no. Ask yourself if you're doing that right now. What have I said that's not biblical? Well, I don't, you know, I don't believe in every situation that people are, are supposed to be made well. That's, that's antichrist. It's not the Bible. Well, I believe that God teaches people lessons and brings humility in the midst of their sickness. That's not a Bible verse either. It's amazing to me how people will just make things up. See, I, I, I'm too scared of God to add to his word or take from it. But that's the, the modern church is living in that. That's why their names are being removed from the book of life. That's why their lampstand is being taken away from them. I believe the word, I act on the word. If you don't, it's cowardice, compromise, and corruption. Why? For nefarious motives. People will think I'm crazy. And you always have to temper this for the legit nutbags in the church. <laughs> I'm with you, Tom. People come up to me outside. You know, I'm with you, Tom. And they start telling me these stories. I'm like, no, no, no. <sighs> You're not with me. <laughs> okay. You're just crazy. You're not, you're not crazy in that you stand in the word. You're just certifiably crazy. You know, I'm with you, Tom. Everybody in my family hates me. That's because, first of all, I can smell you from 10 feet away. You have access to water. Get in it! Have you ever tried brushing your teeth? You're not, listen, you always have to do this because if I tell you that you're supposed to be a peculiar person, peculiar in that you stand in the word, 
Not because you're a never-ending irritant to all of humanity. You're just weird in and of yourself. Well, if I do, if I stand in the word, people will leave my ministry. That's Christ-like. Who did Jesus die with? The throngs? He died for all intents and purposes alone between two criminals. Everybody else was gone, including his closest friends, his disciples, and one hung himself. We get down when there's one bad worship song. Well, that didn't really touch me. I don't think Aaron made the, I don't think Aaron made the right decision there. <laughs> He's on the cross between two criminals. He's raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, provision to the poor, and he ends up on a tree. Being out on the edge is the safest place to be. Crazy answers to things. By crazy, that doesn't mean your dreams, the word of God. Unless the word of God is your dreams. I don't despise prophecy. No men will dream dreams. I'm out on the edge, and you need to be out on the edge because it's the safest place to be. If not, you're living according to the whims of this world. You're not applying the word of God. If the economy collapses, your economy is going to collapse. My economy has never collapsed. I've never been without, ever. I'll never be without. It doesn't matter what happens with the dollar. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who, who's president and who's not. For most of the growth of Foundation Church has been under the Biden administration. I just told Pastor Rodney this on the phone two days ago. I was talking to him and I said, listen, I need to tell you, and I told you this already, but, and money is just a great measurement. Plus, money's great. I love to look at your faces. You, know, you guys don't think I do. You don't think I look at you, but I endlessly am looking at you. I'm seeing how you respond. The worse you respond, the longer I preach. And the harder I preach on the very thing that's causing you to, to respond with a grimace on your face. But I told him, I said, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted to tell you where, where, where we were and where we are now since I've been sitting under your ministry. And in 2019, which would be the last good year to measure it by because we took off in 2020, not even right away in 2020. We took off right around April, May of 2020. We started shooting up. And so in 2019, the, the entire income of this ministry, Tom Lipley Worldwide Ministries. <laughs> it's not, there's no, there is no name like that. I'm picturing all sorts of things in my head right now, you know, like this intro into a TV studio with a globe spinning. Tom, I play Worldwide Ministries. I'm sitting, I'm sitting there with, my, with one of my T-shirts on with a skull screaming at people. So 2019, we brought in between three hundred and $350,000 for the year. Average offering was between one and $3,000. And there was, there was, not many, but there were some Sundays I'd ask Hope what was in there. It'd be like $679, and there'd be 200 people in the room. Seriously. So I, told, I, I just told Pastor Rodney, I said, I just want you to know where you've helped us to go. 
And I said, last year, for 2022, remember those years, remember the year difference. So you got 2020, 2021. So for all intents and purposes, two years in between. We went from $350,000 a year to giving away $758,000. So we gave away. This is what, that's what we gave away to various people in various ministries. The church brought in $3.4 million. Now, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Every scenario was responded to with the Bible. It wasn't comfortable. Although, I'll be, you know what, I gotta take that back. For me, confrontation's comfortable. I try, listen, Jonathan says, just be who you are. Just be who you are. Stop trying to change. Stop, you know, if you're a night person, just be a night person, whatever. Just be who you are. So, does it kind of charge my batteries to be open when everybody else is closed? Yeah. It does. So for me to say it's, what was uncomfortable was the people I knew for years leaving. That's uncomfortable. But the confrontation aspect of it wasn't wasn't uncomfortable at all for me. There was really no choice. Where else am I going to go? If I'm going to be Christian, then I ought to respond to every scenario with Christ. And he's the word of God. They tell me to put a mask on. That's not the Bible. Vaccinate, that's not the Bible. You make up a six-foot distance, that's not the Bible. Quarantine myself when I'm healthy, that's not the Bible. We're out on the edge. Proverbs 29, 25. What's everything else? Cowardice, compromise, and corruption. Everything else is, even if you put love on it. Even if you do it nicely. You know, can you put your mask on for us? Cowardice. Corruption and compromise. Proverbs 29, 25. Why do people do it? Was it because they were scared of a virus? No. Listen, how many of you remember, hello to your phone. I hear everything. I hear you unwrapping your candies too. It drives me nuts. You're on the five second clock when you start. Giving you five seconds and I'm saying something to you. Unwrap the freaking thing and get it in your mouth. You're welcome. <laughs> See, for, for me, there, there just is no other response. There's, there's nothing to think about. What does the word say about this scenario? I'm gonna respond in it. The fear of man, Proverbs 29, 25, bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. People, listen, if you remember back in the early 90s when AIDS came out, for those that, there's cops in this room, for those that are of us who are working calls and paramedics and nurses that are in this room, there's several of us, you're working calls with blood going everywhere. If that gets in your eye, you're dead. And now everybody's scared of a 0.1% death rate post-infection. Nobody was scared of a virus. Nobody acts like that. You ever seen how people act when they're really scared? 
be around law enforcement when AIDS was around, when I started in 1992. You would get dispatched to it. It'd be on your dispatch screen, HIV positive. Then you see how people respond. It's up, people are going up with their N95s on and their, you know, their, their masks that are under their chin on the plane and screaming at people for not wearing a mask. They were scared of anything. It was just a sign of allegiance. It was a swastika. It's all that it was. It's not a legitimate fear. The reason why people donned masks and took vaccines is because they were afraid of losing something. They were afraid of man. People, this, gosh, I'm never going to get to this message. It's 11.39. just like the podcast. I never get to anything on the podcast. <laughs> People, listen, if they're legitimately scared, you'll see a totally different dynamic. People will do anything in the middle class to stay in the middle class. Tom, aren't you in the middle class? Yeah. Yep, I'm in the middle class. I don't know whether I'm upper or mid middle class. I have no idea. Whatever it is, I'm in the middle class. People will do anything. They will pimp and whore themselves to hold on. I'll do it. If, if I don't do it, I'll lose my job. Okay, you lose your job. I'll use myself. I lose my cop job because they tell us, you know what, we want you to confiscate all firearms. That hadn't happened yet. I'm just using that. That was always my line in the sand before COVID. I was always like, well, the moment that they start dispatching me to start collecting up people's guns, I'm out. I'm not going to do it, right? I'm not. So I'm like, yeah, you'll lose your job. Oh, oh. You're making $70,000 a year. Who cares? There's nothing else for you out there? There's no other plan for the believer? I'll do anything. I'll grab my ankles. I'll hike them down. I'll spread them wide. I'll do whatever. I gotta keep my $54,000 your job. It is everything. You know why the church responds like that? Because they don't stand in the word. Their response, there's, they have optional responses. Somebody tells you to act antithetical to the word or you will lose your job. You'll act antithetical to the word. For what? For the middle class? At least if you're gonna pimp and whore yourself, at least be a multimillionaire and try to hold on to that. Go to the same hell, I'm just saying. At least it makes it a little bit more of a viable option than I'll do anything. But what are we holding on to? Our Honda CRVs, <laughs> our minivans. God could never replace. We just got a brand new minivan. God could never replace that bad boy. <laughs> Why don't you just let go and obey God, sow seed, and watch God make you rich? Listen, I lost, I lost my job. I retired from the sheriff's office. I'm very safe to stay at the sheriff's office. I could still be doing both. I'd be out now because I'd be past 30 years now by one year, by six months actually. Well, I could have kept going even then. I could, listen, I walked away from three or $400,000. Just walked away. 
I, 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 lost, so you can say, I lost my job. All right. Well, I make more now Amen. than I made then. And I walked away from all that safety and middle class. Like, Man, Tom, this is not what I want to hear. I know I can tell by looking at your faces. <laughs> it's sad that you are, you are captured like that. That you think that's all there is for you. You'll do anything to defend it. You shouldn't. You should just let it go. Put it on the altar of God. And let him lift you up. Let him open your eyes to something else besides barely getting by. There is something else out there for you. It's called prosperity. It's called abundant life. But you first are going to have to say, you know what? I'm willing to lay it all down. I'm living on the edge, baby. Listen, they're coming for you. CBDC starts in July. I love looking at your faces. I'm just going to do it today. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. CBDC is coming in July. Central bank, digital currency, starts in July of this year. Everyone, you know, there's going to come a day. There is no coming a day. It's here. What if, what if you can't, what if you lose your job? If you don't abide in their new banking rules. See, that's where eventually the leverage comes in where people take a mark. If you don't, listen, if you're not willing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this bold proclamation, even though it's further on in the message, but since I'm on uh, page one <laughs> of 20, and it's 1144, I don't think I'm going to get to it. But I'm going to tell you this flat out. Oh, it's right here. Here we go. I had it for later, but it's right here. Don't have this one memorized yet. It will, shortly. You doing that? If you're not, you're wasting your life. Don't you love me? It's true. You're not memorizing the Bible? You're not sowing that seed? You're wasting your life. What else is there? What else is there but God? You've already tried men. You've already tried men, haven't you, ladies? If they fulfill all your needs? And... Doesn't work. Let it go. Be free. Soar like an eagle instead of crawling around on the ground like a serpent. Revelation 2, Revelation 2 10 and 11. If you don't have this attitude, the odds of you making it to heaven are not good. You have the, you have the opportunity of a lifetime to watch the book of Revelation unfold right before your very eyes. And just so you know, we're completely triumphant the entire time. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have, this is written to one of the good churches, two out of the seven that were good. Five out of the seven were not. And this is the church at Smyrna. Throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. See, that's real Christianity. That's living on the edge. 
Some, listen, some men can't stand up to your wife. And you're going to make it to the end? Some of you, your four-year-old runs your entire life, and you're going to make it to the end because you're afraid of offending your four-year-old, afraid of offending a church member, afraid of offending a family member, afraid of offending your spouse, and you're going to make it to the end? Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. What does the Holy Spirit say? Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Revelation 14, 12, and 13. Are you like that? That's Christianity. If you're not, it's Antichrist. I'm not saying that you're the Antichrist or filled with the demon or anything else. I'm telling you that there are pockets of your life that are not submitted. Listen, Christianity is serious business. It's power. Serious business. That's how you gotta be. That's why people can't receive the miraculous. They're unprepared. And you're like, you're looking at a man right now so far has failed to raise somebody I want that I love from the dead. See how broken I am before you? I mean that seriously right now. You think, you think I'm a dishonest man? Think I have false motives? We don't even take an offering. Where's the offering buckets? Hey, Eddie, get out the offering buckets. He's laughing at me. He's like, Tom, we don't have, there he is. Can't pull him off the wall. He's trying to pull it off the wall. If I asked Eddie to pull it off the wall, he's such a faithful servant, he'd pull it off the wall. I'm after you. I have false motives. I'm trying to tell you what Christianity really is and also how you'll be judged. You think these latte suckers? With their, with their smoke machines, their skinny jeans with the holes right in the right place. Listen, first of all, Pastor, you're 62. You have jet black hair that you are noticeably dying. You look ridiculous. Be 61. Be in great shape. Lift weights. That's only half your life anyway. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. Some of you won't abide in that. 120 years. That's the Bible. That's how I respond. Tom, I'm getting old. Well, you tell me that. Here comes the Bible. Nobody ever talks to me. See, everybody out there, Tom, it's good to see you. They hug me and they move on. There are very few that make a mistake and actually talk to me. I had some lady come up to me, very sweet, and said, you know, I just, I had to get the back so that I could see my grandkids. I said, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't have, she kept arguing with me. I had to. I just, no, you didn't. Is that the Bible? Whatever you bind is bound. Well, yeah, but I'll be cut off from my family. That's the Bible too. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Read the Bible. Stand in the Jesus. All you do is pray people away anyway. Seriously. Now this person, you know, right now, my daughter-in-law insists that everybody be vaccinated in order to come and see my grandkids. Just pray her away. I don't mean, I don't mean kill her. Just pray her away, like a gnat. I do it all the time. Pray him away. Go away. God will find her a job in South Dakota. 
drilling for iron ore out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Let her go over there and then go see your grandkids. Nobody gives God a chance. Galatians 1.10, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I will not be a bondservant of Christ. You, you live out on the edge. Whatever the Bible says, you do it. Why would you choose not to follow the word? I do, but you know what, Tom? Not the Bible. Or I, inter- I interpret the Bible symbolically. Why does nobody in- interpret the Bible's grace symbolically then? Why is it only the things that are actually comfortable for you, that are beneficial for you, that you suddenly go symbolic? It's not living on the edge. It's being in the, that's, that's, that's living in the fear of man. No, thank you. I'm not going to live in the fear of men. Let me, let me, well, it's 1151, so I'm heading towards the end with this. Aaron went long in worship, so I get a bonus five. God is not soft on blessing. Let's see if I get an amen on this. God is not soft on wickedness. Neither one. He wants to pour out for you such a blessing that you can't contain it. That's who God is. But he's also not soft on wickedness. He's both. You stand in both. I'm telling you this so that you understand his personality because you won't receive from God unless you understand who he is. You have to both love and hate. You're, gonna, you're, not gonna, you're not going to heal a tumor unless you hate that tumor. You can't be double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, James 1.8. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, James 1.6. You can't be double-minded. You can't be like, well, you know what? There could be a blessing behind it. No, you have to hate it. Or it's going to stay right there. You have to hate depression. You have to hate anxiety. Not appreciate people's sympathy. You have to hate sympathy. I preached about this yesterday at the resurrection service. What, who, who did Jesus clear out of the room? And then Peter learned and cleared them out of the room too. The wailers and the criers. Why do you enjoy people wailing and crying over you? Man, it's quiet in here. (laughs) I don't like sympathy at all. I hate it. I have no interest in sympathy. None. Whenever I've been sick in my life, it's been very, very rare, but whenever I've been sick, I just go be alone because I hate it. Talk to it, curse it, get rid of it. Everybody else, the things that I have gotten, everybody else was down for four weeks. And I'm down for five and a half hours. God is not soft on blessing you. And he's not soft on wickedness. Tom's going to focus on the wicked. No, I'm going to do both. Ready? Here we go. Matthew 7, 7 and 7, 8. What do you do in every scenario? What do you want? Name a scenario. Shout it out loud. What's your scenario? Move to Florida. All right, what else? Healing. What else? More knowledge, whatever. Okay, so you want those things, right? 
I know everyone's scared to say anything with me. I don't blame you. I wouldn't say anything either. But in circumstances, certain circumstances, nothing I'm going to say to you. You're wrong on that. I just simply, you can't be wrong when you state what you want. If that's what you want, it's what you want. I'm not saying that you're right in what you want, but that is what you want. So if it's something that God provides, like if you're asking, Lord, kill my neighbor. It's not going to happen. Lord, I ask you to keep me safe while I'm robbing this bank. That's not going to happen. But everything else that's guaranteed in the word will happen. So what do you want? Heard someone say they want to move to Florida. That's good. God wants you to move to Florida. If that's a desire of your heart, then that's where God wants you to be. So what do you do? Ask and it shall be given you. And someone just said move. That's a good point too. You're throwing me off on my message, but I'll tell you. God, listen, God does not give you, God does not give you the provision to move. God moves you to the provision. Remember that. Every time. Well, we're just waiting for God to, no, no, you're already supposed to move. I remember, you know, uh, evangelist Daniel and Bia, right? The ones who come up and talk. There's a lot of positives, and for me, it's all positive, to running in our circle. Our circle is all the Rodney Howard Brown circle. That's Jonathan, that's, you know, all, all the people that I talk about. Some big names there, some small names there, huge churches, small churches running in this giant circle of a couple hundred men and women that are under the direct apostolic leadership of Rodney Howard Brown. Daniel's one of them. And he and Jonathan are friends. So he was up talking to Jonathan. I hope they don't mind if I share this story. But it's too late now. So (laughs) Daniel was telling Jonathan, you know what, I'm thinking about moving to the States. So he told him that, let's just say in 2021. So he goes back in 2022 and goes to Jonathan, I'm thinking about moving to the States. So Jonathan said, don't talk to me about it. See, I told you there's pluses and minuses of running in this circle. If Pastor Rodney tells you to do something that he's here, that he knows the Holy Ghost has told you to do, and you don't do it, don't talk to him again about it. This will just look you in the eye. He'll either say absolutely nothing and smile at you, like you poor thing, or he'll reprove you on the spot and at times fiercely. So Jonathan's like, don't tell me that again. You already know God wants you to do it. You're not doing it. That's it. That was the end of the discussion. Because God, and they'll, you know, what they do is up to them. We, we're in pretty constant communication with them. I do believe they'll end up being here very shortly. They're going to move to the States. Since they only have power about four hours a day, in a formerly United States level, South Africa, it's gone now because they, all the lovely answers, they come in and solve oppression with oppression. Just like you're saying now. Boy, I could spend four hours on that. But what you do is if you want something, you ask for it. Matthew 7, 7 and 7, 8. Ask. Jesus died on the cross. Had, his, had, a, had nails piercing his hands, his feet, a sword in his side. And our job is to ask. So you ask and it shall be given you. If it's the desire of your heart that God has put there, he's going to give it to you. Well, it just seems that there, you know, there seems to be no way. Yeah. He finds a way when there seems to be no way. 
Seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth and unto him that knocketh, it shall be opened. It's done. He's great. He is abundant in blessings. He is not soft on blessings. But he's also not soft on wickedness. Revelation 14, 9 through 11. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his head, I say he goes head first, on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is being poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. CBDC starts in July. We cannot comply. Cannot comply. He's not soft on blessing, and he's also not soft on wickedness. I'm going to finish here. I'm going to skip ahead. Let me ask you this. What does the word say about a situation? What does it say? I say to you, healing. What does he say? Provision. Is it just simple provision or is it abundant? Death. What does he say? You had somebody die in your life? Now listen, if there's a whole, like, with Skyler, Skyler's over here. Wave your hands. With Skyler, it's his house. It's his home. I pray how he tells me to pray. It's his responsibility to pray for resurrection. It's not love. How dare you say that, Tom? Because God is love. The word is Jesus. Jesus is God. So the word is love. What are you supposed to do? How do you respond to various situations? What do you do? You don't have an option. There is, there is no option. Remember in John chapter, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to encapsulate an entire minute. I'm taking a bonus five minutes. So normally we'd be done in 10 minutes, but I'm going another 15. So when in John chapter six, all of his disciples left him, which you will see if you stand in the word. And why did they all leave him? Because of a word. That he had spoken. This is a harsh teaching. Who can understand it? Hard teaching, not harsh. This is a hard teaching. Who can understand? They all left. And Jesus goes to his closest disciples and says, you guys going to leave too? He says, no, where else are we going to go? That's how I feel about everything. Now there's people in this room, you have other options in your own mind. I'm just not going to stand on this. You know, this is just crazy. I'm, I'm, you know, I need, we need to be reasonable. So reasonable is the opposite of love. Because if it's God's word, it's love. So your reason then would be the opposite of God's word. I don't, I, I'm like what Peter said. Where am I going to go? You have the word of life. Everything else, your reasonableness is death. I don't want it. Look at where all the COVID reasonableness got us to. Be reasonable now. Put that mask on. And now all that infrastructure from the vaccines is now what enables them to install CBDC. 
social credit systems. Well, it'll all be so convenient. Yeah, conveniently tyrannical. What do you do with protection? Well, there's certain things, you know, you need to be cautious about. Now, you know what? I told you last week. What was it the week before? I can't remember. I do a lot of talking. I'm scared of flying. See, I told you, you, guys, you, you think I'm just hardcore and you think that I think I'm perfect. I don't. I struggle. I have areas of my life I'm struggling in. I'm scared of flying. I don't like it. I hate it. Ruins my whole month in advance. I know I'm flying. Well, not, I can't even say it ruins my month. It ruins half a year. It's all I think about. Well, okay, yeah, I know it's January, but I got a, I got a flight in July, so I mean, <laughs> crap. My, my feelings come up underneath it because the word of God pierces even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. My soul comes up because your soul is your mind that needs to be renewed. And I'll be walking the dog and all these thoughts, this could be the last time. You should love them now. It does. I'm, I'm six months out. I'm a month out. I'm weeks away. <laughs> but I just reject it. I'm like, no. You're like, Tom, didn't you respond to hot police calls and you're afraid of flying in a plane? Yes. I never felt fear in law enforcement. Ever. I'm on the ground. And it's gone. It's on. I didn't feel fear. I just like throwing down. I'm like, this is really kind of my cup of tea. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, if I'm going to die, at least I'm in control, baby. You're going to have to take me down. Not. <laughs> I got on a plane with Rodney R. Brown, and one of his associate pastors said, because I was talking about this. And he goes, just sit next to Pastor Ronnie, you'll be fine. God's not going to let him die. I'm like, you're right. I'm good. I did that once. Flying out of Vermont. We went skiing. And we're flying out. And, we're, and of course, <laughs> there's a nor'easter hitting. So we call up a bunch of Floridians skiing in Killington, Vermont. No, actually, Smuggler's Notch, Vermont. So Stowe, Vermont. And we call up the airport in Burlington and say, I guess the fall of the flights are canceled. They laughed at us. They started laughing. <laughs> Why would we cancel flights? Because there's a blizzard. We don't care. They're flying all out of there. So I'm sitting on the plane, and this is my first de-icing experience. So I'm sitting there like, I'm dead. So we had group, you know, we just bought group seats. Like, you, you know, it's a bunch of mass tickets. So I went and just sat right next to the pastor. He's a Kenneth Hagin disciple. I know that he's standing in faith. I'm like, there's no way. Even if the whole plane falls apart, his seat will be all right. So I just planted myself right next to him. I'm not some flawless person. I'm working on things. But there's no option to me. Where else am I going to go but the word of God? So for protection, 
I just cast out all the fear, no matter what I feel. Not gonna feel for that. I don't speak it, I don't talk about it, nothing. So I'll finish with this, maybe. It's 12.06, we're usually done around 12.10, but I'm going to 12.15. How many of you were raised in old school Pentecostal churches, anybody? Oh man, nobody from five rows back. Wow, I wasn't either. But if you ask Aaron, who was raised in Pentecost, how long were your church services? Yeah, three hours. So we're good. Even if I let you out right now, we're only, really, we don't even start till 10.05. So we're only two hours and one minute in right now. So what do you do? Well, let's go. We'll, we'll, go, we'll cascade down from healing through death. So what do you do? What do you do right now if you think you're old? Are you 120 years old? Deuteronomy 34, seven? Well, I'm already old and there's already been consequences of my thoughts. Reverse it. Now. Now. In Jesus' name. Stop it. You're supposed to be 120, just like Moses, climb up on a mountain and die. So I told God. So you're gonna think I'm the weirdest person in the world. I'm pretty weird. I told God, I said, Lord, I just want a big button. Hey, what, do you, what do you mean, Tom? I said, God, when it's time, just push the button and just shut me off. Until then, perfect health. <laughs> Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. And you, you believe you're 74. You're 74. That's 46 years until you're 120. What are you doing? Why are you talking to yourself the way that you talk to yourself? You're like, it's impossible. It, nothing's, you're not standing in the word. Everything's possible to him who believes. Everything is. So why, are, why, why would you choose another option outside of the word? You don't, by the way, just so everybody knows, there is no other option. <laughs> we think there's all these options. No, I said before you what? Life and choose. You choose, that's it. There's no options of, well, there's God's life, and then there's my life. And there isn't any. You're choosing death. It's he's the author of life. Psalm 36, 9. Psalm 103, 3. What do you do with sickness? Yeah, but you're going to offend people if you do that. You offensive people. Bind it. Silly people. Don't, don't, you, don't you know the AMA? American Medical Association? How smart they all are? Remember how they, all the things they were right about over the last three years of 15 days to flatten the curve? Remember all that? They've been right about? Remember how they said everything was safe and effective? Yeah. No, Psalm 1033. 3. Who forgives all your sins. Look at the level of importance disease is to God. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Equates it with, he equates it with sin. It's as important to God as forgiving your sin, is healing your diseases. You know why it is? 
Because if we heal all the diseases, it will open doors for us to usher in people to have their sins forgiven. I never, I never get why anybody wants to join one of those latte-sucking churches anyway. Got their little cafe center out there. Come in, get your cafe latte. You walk into the church, get your lukewarm message, 56 minutes long, and then walk out. With your fresh start, your new beginning, and you're still a fornicator. Straight, going straight to hell. As they tell you, you're going to heaven. And they got you in their onboarding process. Just want to get everybody, for all of our new, for all of our new attenders, you know they never say new converts? Because they're not converted. They've been, they've been converted all right. They can been, they've been converted into your country club. They won't say things like this. The word of God offends the quote unquote Christians in the room. That you're supposed to be well, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. There's no option, live on the edge. What's the worst thing that could happen? If you have stage four cancer right now, and you believe what I'm telling you, and you meditate on that word, it's something that I've been doing now. Jonathan, I was listening to a message from Jonathan. And he was talking about it. You heard it here. Because I was actually watching his service from here. Boy, you guys are great. By the way, compare. I like to, I like to compare. I try not to violate 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 12 and compare ourselves among ourselves, measure ourselves by ourselves. But to some degree, I do it. So <laughs> 2 Corinthians 10, 12 or 12, 10. Can't remember which. But it's one of those two. But I'm like, I was, I was watching us respond to Jonathan. We're, we're like the best. Seriously, like, I mean, it was explosive in here. I mean, the response is huge. Of course, it helps that I got a, a, a technical genius that makes you sound great, which is Aaron. But, and, but anyway, but he was talking about the woman that you heard him testify, because he was talking to all of us about it. The woman who was, basically, Jonathan calls it a resurrection from somebody who's alive but dead. The woman who's completely infirmed, central nervous system shut down, raped in the midst of it, carrying a child, 97 pounds, dead finished. Okay, it took six people to get her to the bathroom because if you've ever tried to lift up 97 pounds, it's easy if it's 97 pound barbell. Try it when the weight shifts constantly. Okay, it's, it's impossible. So six people, it took her to just get to the bathroom. What did she do? She had nothing. She couldn't write. She could barely chew. She got on YouTube and 24 seven, she slept 10 hours a month. She's dead. She's dying. It's over. She, they, the doctor said, we can't believe you're not seizing constantly, basically just in the death whales because you're not sleeping at all. So she took it out on YouTube and listened to Jonathan 24-7 under her pillow. And now she's 100% fine. Why? Because all, all Jonathan does, Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse, there's no option. None. Adolis goes to Jonathan and says, hey, listen, I've got a bad diagnosis. Jonathan is playing video games at this time. <laughs> you don't know Jonathan. If you have the opportunity, get to know him. Jonathan is playing video, he plays video games until two, three in the morning. 
Shouldn't he be studying the word? He knows the word better than me and better than almost anybody I know outside of Rodney. But he's playing video games and she comes in and she's being a little bit carnal. She goes, listen, this is, I got this news. He just looked up from it, put his game on pause and said, do not fear, unpause. <laughs> she was insulted. But what did she do? Even, the midst of, even in the midst of being insulted, which many of you are right now, you tell by your facial expressions, congratulations for staying. You saw about 10 people leave. Good job for staying. But in the midst of being insulted, she went, is that biblical, what he just told me? Absolutely. So she didn't fear. She's fine. It's gone. Gone. What do you do with sickness? Word only. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you something, and then work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Go ahead. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I mean it. If you need to go to the doctor, go ahead. But for me, for me, there's no plan B. There's no plan B. Are you saying, Tommy, you'd never go? Well, I'm never going to be sick. I'm never going to have a problem. So no, I'm never going to go. But for some of you, what you can do is wean yourself off. If you're on medications, wean yourself off. If you want to do it under a doctor's supervision, well, they're going to call you crazy. You know, you don't understand. You're going to die if you don't have, you know, you're on 17 medications. If you drop one and you're only on 16, you're going to die. I'm not living that way because I'd rather be dead. I'd rather, listen, I would rather have died of COVID, even if it did, even if it wasn't 99.997% survivable, which it is. I'd rather, listen, if it was to say COVID was 50 50, church stays open. I'm closing. I don't see, I only got some amens. Somebody, that's your line. You're not going to apply the word of God when it crosses over this percentage. That, then, then, then the Holy Ghost becomes powerless then. It isn't for people like John G. Lake. Bring the lepers. Everyone's like, John G. Lake. He's no different than you. None. He just believes the word. He doesn't have a plan B. There is no plan B. I had a friend of mine whose father was reeling up his boat at the boat ramp. That thing. And it let loose, came back and broke his arm. Instantly snapped his arm. They didn't have nothing. They had no insurance. They had no money. Dad goes, well, he's an Andrew Walmack disciple. He goes, I have, no, I have no other option. There's no plan B. I'm believing for healing. His arm is healed. See, what happens a lot of times is we get into tumultuous situations and we're unprepared. And I said, we, not you. I said, we, not you. I said, we, not you. So stop being offended. We get, in, we get into, this is, the, this is the example that I gave in the resurrection service yesterday. Out of all the men that are in this room, and there's ladies that can do this too, but just to make it simple for conversation. How many of us can lift bench press 300 pounds? Is it possible? Isn't it? I'm looking around the room. I know the ones that can bench 300 pounds. 
Is it possible? How are they able to do it, but you can't? I'm not, I, listen, I don't care whether, what you can lift. I don't care what you look like. I don't care about any of that. I'm using this as an example. This is what's called a metaphor. We're not opening Foundation Gym tomorrow with me, with me coming in there with spandex on and telling everybody how to lift. Look at this. You don't put spandex on this. You put a tent on this. Look at that. Look at that. So why can't you lift 300 pounds? You're not prepared. Try it right now. Ever seen those goofballs going to the gym? They start sliding on the weights and either kill themselves all over YouTube. It's hysterical. They're not prepared. So when calamity comes, you've been watching videos your whole life. We have been watching videos our whole life. Why can't I raise the dead right now? Because I haven't spent the time casting down unbelief. It's not earning God's favor. I have all the favor, all of it, but I have not trained myself to distinguish good from evil. Hebrews 5, verse 14. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We don't see death as evil. We don't see illness as evil. So it abides in our presence. John G. Lake hated it. So it couldn't even, he, remember with the bubonic plague example. Put that bubonic plague on that slide for me. Showing that you can't, he goes into a room with all these doctors. You're going to die. He goes, let me just show you something. Put that bubonic, this is absolute fact, by the way. It's backed up by witness statements. Put that bubonic plague on a slide. Okay. He said, watch. He goes, and every one of those cells died. It's no different than you. Why can he bench press 300 pounds and you didn't? And you can't because you've never gone out in the weight room. He did. Oh, he earned it. He earned God. No, he just discovered what he already had. He melted the ice wall of unbelief. He could distinguish. You can't and I can't to the level that I want. Have I melted tumors? Yes. As people, there's, you can't, I can't tell you. I could have people stand up. If you've been healed in Foundation Church, shout amen right now. I'm telling you. There's lots of people that have been healed here. It's not good enough for me, though, because... Here we go. I'll close with this. Aaron, you guys can make your way. 1221. Until I get to this level, I shall not rest. For where else will I go? Where else will I go? Am I just going to accept sickness, illness, disease, and death? Or I'm going to be Christ-like? When did anybody ever come to Jesus and he refused to heal them? Every single, where it's applicable grammatically, every single situation where there was a mass amount of people who needed to be healed, it says he healed them all. There's never a reason. So why in the church do we have excuses? Well, it's not God's timing. 
God's teaching you something. God can, but we don't know if he will. It's not accurate. It's antithetical to the word, which means antichrist. Until I get to this level, I keep seeing things. I'm telling you right now, Scott, I'm, I keep seeing visions I've had. This happened to me at the end of the service last week, as I know that I've been here before. Right in the midst of what I'm talking about right now, God has given me this in, as a prophetic vision. I, can't, I mean, it's amazing. It just clicked in. It's not deja vu. It's a prophetic vision. I've been here before. Until I get to this place, I will not rest. Matthew 10, 8. Jesus said, what are, basically, I'm using my own vernacular. What are we to do as, the, as disciples? He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. How did Jesus prove who he was to John the Baptist's disciples? He said, here's how you know that I am the Christ. So how do you know if you're the church? If we're the body of Christ. And this is how you show that you and display that you are the Christ. Then how do you display and show that you are the body of Christ? The blind see, the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. There's no other option to go. John chapter 6, verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they had heard this, heard what? What I just said. Now, yes, it was different. He was telling me, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. If it was, if it was Jesus in front of me and say, hey, Tom, listen, I'm going to open a vein and you need to drink it, I'll be saying, how high? Some of you be like, ew, ew. You shouldn't listen. Can't. There's no option. Where else am I going to go? Open that vein up. I'll guzzle it right here, right now. Straight, no chaser. (laughs) Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? There's no options. John, John chapter 6, it's funny that this is actually John 6, 6, 6. John 6, 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They didn't want Jesus. Then Jesus said to the 12, 67, 69, finishing right here. I'm reading these three verses. We're done. I mean that. I'm not going to expound on them. We're done. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? Putting demands on you from whom much is given, much is demanded. Somebody dies, you're supposed to raise them back to life. If that's what their family wants, that's what you do. But Simon Peter answered him saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? To me, there's, I don't have anything else. You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yesterday, there we go. I'm in this room full of people. Well, not full of people. There's 50 or 60 of us here. And there's no place I'd rather be. Where else am I going to go? Go stare at a screen? I'm sitting in here with people trying to resurrect the dead. That everybody else will say that you're crazy. Where else am I going to go? I don't have a desire to be. I'm going to go be with my family. They don't believe nothing. 
I love them, but they don't believe nothing. I'm not talking about Hope, Tommy, and Norma. I'm talking about like my mom and my sister who I love, but they don't believe anything. Where am I, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to go and uh, go on social media? Am I going to believe something different? No. For me, there's, there's nowhere else to go. Where, what is going on in your life right now? What is it? Apply the word. Have no options. Again, I, just, I, I temper this by saying, because some of you are newer in this, don't go from 17 medications to zero today. That you need to have a vision, because when there is no vision, the people perish. You need to be like, I am not well, but I'm going to be. And here's step number one. The steps of a good man are ordered by the, by the Lord. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Follow it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.